Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez, joined by co-host Aaron Keller. And today we have one of our annual guests, probably a little more than annual, but you always talk about this important topic. We have Nate LaHue, our wildlife vet here at Endow, and talking about chronic wasting disease. Nate, welcome. Thanks for joining us again to talk about this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Of course. And we wanted to get on it. We wanted to start getting our messaging out as we do every year because this is such an important topic. Why is that? Yeah. I mean, we go through this every year, but uh, CWD, um, as most people know, is a prion disease um, related to mad cow and scrape um, and scrapey. Um, basically means it's a misfolded protein um, that transfers between animal to animal causes a neurologic disease that is invariably fatal um, in most of our in, in all of our North American cervid species and other cervid species worldwide um, and what is a cervid species because some sorry, people say this really don't know what that is sorry cervids <laughs> are your deer and elk family so we're talking deer elk moose caribou got it likely if it has anters an anters antlers, antlers <laughs> yes. if it has antlers i'm making a fool of myself in front of our wildlife vet if it has antlers it's likely a cervid uh yes okay so, yeah in nevada um it's gonna be uh your mule deer and elk that we're most that we're concerned about in our moose population although for surveillance we're not focusing on them but it would be a concern for our slowly Ex or our small but expanding moose population. And yeah, exactly. We, it's expanding, so we wouldn't want that to impact them. And it hasn't made its way into Nevada yet. No, we are. We have still not detected it in the state. Um, it did move a little closer last year. Um, there was now a detection in Idaho. Um, luckily, it's a little farther north of the state. Um, but now we do have it in two of our bordering states, both Idaho and Utah. So it is knocking at the door. Um, it's none of, in none of the herds that actually migrate or um, connect with herds in Nevada. Um, but obviously closer than comfort. Exactly. Still something we want to stay on top of. So what is the information that you want to come on here and give out to hunters right now? Yeah. Um, so it, it, the part of the reason why it's so important is because it isn't actually in a migrating herd. So it's not inevitable necessarily that it gets into the state. Um, and the biggest risk is humans bringing it in um, through body parts of animals that are harvested in other states. So if you're, you know, somebody that may go to Colorado where prevalences, mature buck prevalences in some units there are approaching 50%, there's a good chance that animal has CWD that you're harvesting. And if you're bringing it back and dumping stuff on the landscape in Nevada, then it has the potential to expose Nevada deer and bring that into the state. Um, the Idaho case, um, well, we don't know a lot um, about it or about that, where it came from. It is interesting that it's so far been found in a very localized area. Um, and so it, 
there the hypothesis is that it was potentially brought in anthropogenically or, or through people. Okay. Got yeah, it. Such so. a big jump. We yeah. Yeah, and some of that could be um, difficult surveillance in some of their mountainous regions and wilderness areas, but certainly highly suspect, um, you know, and we, we certainly have people not only from Nevada hunting out of state, but in neighboring states like California that are driving through Nevada. Um, so our biggest concern for its introduction is really that that human movement. Um and there's some things you can do to prevent that. So while CWD prions can be found in all tissues of the animal, it's most um, prevalent in things like lymph nodes and nervous tissue. So, and we actually have regulations um, in place that restrict the importation of certain parts um, that are most likely to spread CWD. So... Senate Bill 85 was passed in 2019, um, and that restricts the import of anything but finished taxidermy mounts, um, meat, um, you know, your ivories, buglers, things like that. But you can't bring in uh, spinal cord. Um, you can't bring in any brain material. Um, and really, what the biggest issue is not that there's, you know, you someone could make the argument, well, if you even after taxidermy, CWD isn't killed. Well, but it's not going to expose a Nevada deer if it's sitting on your wall. Exactly. So, you know, the question is, what materials um, are you bringing in that are going to end up potentially on the landscape? So, um, and we do encourage anybody that is, you know, adhere to the regulations. Um, if you need to read more about them, they're, they're on our webpage under chronic wasting disease. And um, the other thing is when you're finishing all your, you're trimming up your meat and you're um, butchering that animal at home too, is um, not throwing those scraps out on the landscape, you know, bagging them, putting them in the trash, um, just because um, the more we can limit that on the landscape, Pre you know, you may think, oh, there's nothing, but there's coyotes that come by, they can pick it up, they can move them. It can pass through the feces potentially and infect an animal. So you just never know, and you don't want to be the yeah. person responsible for bringing it here. And I feel like, at, in one way, it's kind of a relief that the case in Idaho wasn't from a migrating herd, but at the same time, it just goes to show how easy it could be spread by humans. So definitely, you don't want to contribute to that. Right, and that's <laughs> you know that's true for a lot of diseases. A lot yeah. of things are anthropogenically moved whether exactly. it's first shown up in our country from you know elsewhere in the globe or like a variety of diseases like chytrid and stuff or whether it's cwd that's just spread around the united states via anthropogenic movement we're um you know a lot of the movements that's occurred um have probably occurred from captive cervid farming and, mo and moving of live cervids um and then I was going to say, too, on helping um, prevent it from coming in. So what you want to do is don't bring in the spinal cord. And then you want to, if you're um, doing a regular mount, go ahead and skull cap that animal um, and leave that lower skull portion with the brain in um, back in the state that it was hunted in. Or um, if you are doing a European mount to clean out that brain material really well. Um, and I've actually found that um, there's a scrambler that is available on Amazon that you hooked up to a power drill 
it's basically weed whacker weed whacker cord <laughs> and it works really well with some water it makes a mess oh, but gosh. it's um you know or you can boil that's that's a common thing people do but um i found that that is a pretty quick way to do that and get a pretty clean get a lot of that brain material out for anybody listening, you should see Ashley's face. <laughs> I was like, am I hearing this right? Scrambler. Um, we can get you to the lab and show you how it I works. Think, I think I don't want to see the scrambler. And I, when we're talking about brain particles in a scrambler together, it just doesn't sound great. But uh, yeah, that's what, I miss, that's what I'm putting together. Yeah, I guess you yeah. become desensitized when you spend the entire winter. Take, it's fall and winter taking <laughs> brain samples out of deer and elk. <laughs> So when you say that it's detected, how how is it detected? Like the case that I know. Yeah, so it's pretty much a post mortem diagnosis, meaning after death, um, and they test um, depending on the whether it's a deer or an elk, uh, two different tissues. One is what they call the obex, which is the part of the brain stem, and the other is the retropharyngeal lymph nodes, and those sit just kind of behind the trachea, um, near the base of the jaw. So those are the two samples we're looking for um, to test for that. And it's sent off to a lab and they do um, testing. It's ELISA or, or things that are, you know, um, um, hist histologically IHC um, to determine whether that's animal is positive or negative. And so we collect hunter harvest um, samples from hunter harvest as well as you know other mortalities that occur that were involved in, in the state or road killed animals um, we take those too but um, that is that's how um, we find out where it is okay. so it's not like a bunch of animals that are just whirling or anything no and and you know you don't I you know, you don't hope that if you do find it, you haven't had a bunch of clinical animals. Once you're finding clinical animals, because it takes um, between 18 and 24 months for an animal to become clinical after being infected, it's been there a while. Okay. Your prevalence is probably higher. It's going to be harder to control. Um, so ideally, uh, you want to find it when there aren't any clinical animals. You want to find it early. Right, uh, that's what a lot of people say. It's like, oh, this deer looked normal, right? Right, blood. yeah. You'll have no idea. Um, you could be the healthiest-looking deer, and it might have CWD. Right. Um, there's no – I mean, you know, certainly an animal that's sick and old, they do get debilitated at the end. Um, but at the beginning stages of the infection, they, they're still shedding the, the prion. They're still infected, but they haven't had that long-term effect. That prion hasn't built up in the brain enough where it's destroyed – enough brain matter uh to cause those effects um, yeah so you said we have that senate bill in place which yep. allows only certain parts back but you mentioned i mean this sampling so how could hunters take yeah. part in that is that required or so we do not have mandatory surveillance in um nevada um that being said we do encourage hunter participation um and you know also some hunters want to know whether they're animal even though we've never had a detected case they still want to know make sure that it's cwd negative bef before they consume that animal um so we offer a, a couple a few different ways um one is to take the sample yourself um we'll have an email going out here in the next week or so um to the hunters that we're targeting on that um to see if they want to request a kit um it's pretty easy to take the sample if you're used to 
um, cleaning a deer, then you can take a CWD sample um, with a, just a little bit of education. There's a YouTube video available that'll be in that link that you can take a look at and see if it's something you can do. You know, I think you don't have to, if you don't want to deal with the brain, you don't have to. Um, retropharyngeal lymph nodes work fine and they're actually the preferred sample for mule deer. So that's fine. The other thing is you can, in October, uh, you can come to one of our check stations. We're going to have, we don't have a schedule right now, but we're going to have probably four different check stations on three different weekends. Um, we'll be in Austin, Ely, and somewhere around the Elko ID area um, up in that northeast part of the state, probably two different locations. Um, we're checking with DOT on some potential options right now. Um, and that'll probably be the weekend of the 7th and 8th, 20th, 1st and 22nd, and 28th and 29th, so that close out Nevada Day weekend. Um, when we get a lot of people out there. So stop by, come say hi. Um, there's biologists there if you want to pick their brain. Um, no pun intended. Yeah. No. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, the, then the last the, the last option, too, is to call one of the offices um, and get a CWDC sample taken at the offices. But do please call ahead to make sure there's somebody actually there that that's, can take the sample. Okay, good information. And we're going to get into sub CWD. I just can't get my words straight today. We'll get into CWD a little bit more after this quick break. You're listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Today, we are talking about chronic wasting disease with our wildlife veterinarian, Nate LaHue. Um, before the break, you were talking about some of our prevention efforts and we just wanted to get into I mean in talking about all the prevention we're doing why like what are the impacts what should hunters understand about CWD if it was to come here so I mean we never want to have any disease show up that's that's not a you know a natural disease process or you know isn't isn't should I say adapted to the ecosystem um you know and some of the you know information out of Colorado where it's been the longest has shown that when it reaches high prevalences, there are impacts on population performance. Animals don't live as long. Um, they have seen some declines in um, in population numbers and also declines in that mature buck um, cohort because. Um, bucks are the most likely to get it so your most likely infected animal is an older age class older age class buck um and so you know part of it too is we have a lot of units that are um you know managed more for trophy um they have higher buck ratios um than other units and those breed the potential to um have a higher CWD prevalence and more of an impact. And so some of the management may be increasing the harvest of those animals to kind of change that. So it, it would have, it could have direct impacts on the population and then in order to prevent it spread and from getting super high prevalence, um, then, um, it, um, 
you know, we may have to change how that um, unit is managed, and then that would change the hunt experience. Um, there's also, while there's never been a documented case of um, CWD being transmitted to people, currently the CDC does not recommend eating CWD-positive meat. Um, so there is that impact as well and that a lot of people don't want to eat CWD positive meat. And so they're mm-hmm. not going to want to hunt places. You know, when we talk about Colorado, Wisconsin, places where there's 50% more mature butt prevalence. Are you going to want to go out and spend that time and effort if there's only a 50% chance you're going to want to consume what you harvest? So, you know, there's that impact as well on just, you know, hunters and, and, you know, their comfort on, consuming the meat um and their um you know ability to go out and and feel confident that what they're um consuming and harvesting is safe yeah so it's not good for our landscapes it's not good for our wildlife not good for our hunters or anyone to have a disease that shouldn't be here here no (laughs) it sounds obvious when i ask why we don't want this here but you just got to get to the we just wanted to get to the root of explaining the impacts this could have. So, and they're not good. No. Um, and I think that there'll be more research too, as you know, we are different than Colorado and, and, you know, our ecosystem. Um, but, and so we, there's a lot, we don't know how it's going to impact would impact Nevada's deer and elk populations. I mean, you know, there's some people that say, oh, well, it's low density, so maybe it would have less of an effect. But then, on the other hand, our mule deer populations are already declining. Um, so, you know, the, anything, we don't really need anything else working yeah. against them. You know, even if it's a p- potentially smaller effect on population performance, but they really don't need another, you know, not, another thing against them. The story with mule deer deal yeah, mule deer in Nevada seems to be death by a thousand cuts. So don't need one more. Exactly. That's true. And then um, I think a lot of people, when they hear about a disease coming somewhere, they're also like wondering how it's going to impact people. But like you said, it's never been, um, there's no research to show that someone could, what's the word, get this disease. There's never been a linked case. Okay. Um, that being said, there is some new research about potential mutations that might occur in high prevalence areas that in mouse models may make infection. They're called like humanized mouse models with like human gene PRP or the human protein um, potentially make it more likely that that infection would jump oh, that okay. species barrier. Um, no evidence. Um, uh, of that yet um but you know it's do you know and, and i mean like there's never been a case but do you want to be exactly case one? Yeah. especially because it is such a long time when you know mad, mad cow disease came out in the uk it was years and years and years before variant crutchfield jacobs was recognized as being from a you know a human version of mad cow disease so but it these, these diseases are slow going and it takes a long time, potentially a decade or more 
for someone to actually become clinical. Yeah. So no cases we know of in humans, but you still want to take the precautions yeah. and probably don't want to consume an animal with go ahead CWD. And follow the CDC regulate or the CDC guidelines. Exactly. And then um, we before the break, we were talking about the different ways people could help prevent the spread. Yeah. Um, one being not bringing certain parts back into the state. You touched on the um, self sampling. Um, and then you mentioned during the break, you didn't mention that um, taxidermists could also help. Yeah, I uh, forgot to mention too that for so, as far as the options for getting your um, your animal tested, um, you know, there's self sampling. There is um, our hunter check stations, and there is going to an office. Um, if you are a taxidermist and meat processor, we also have an incentive program where if you send us lower skull portions with the brain in them uh, or just a CWD sample, if you're comfortable taking it, um, we will um, – it's $10 a head that you can get if you're a taxidermist and meat processor. So um, we've sent letters out to them all, but if you didn't get that or your taxidermist or your meat processor and you're interested in participating in that program, uh, please reach out to the department, reach out to me, and we'll get you signed up. Okay. um for that program and then just we have to do a little bit of paperwork so that we we can pay you as a vendor but um and then on that note too if you're in las vegas um malls meets um has uh, someone that we um hire to take cwd samples at their um location so if you're going by malls meets uh, make sure you ask that your sample is taken good to know and then um we can't stress the self-sampling and how much that helps us enough. I know we, yeah. you explained it in the beginning. We just started piloting that last year, and we so far have not gotten very good participation, but we're hoping to increase that this year as people kind of become more familiar with it, maybe more comfortable with the idea. But it's really one of the easiest ways for you to do it just because then you can take the sample yourself. You don't have to show up at an office at a specific time. You don't have to show up at a check station. You can just take it yourself and – uh, drop it off at an office or or mail it back to us and um yeah it, it's one of the the easiest ways to do it um so when you get that email um be looking for it in the next week and um we'll get you a kit out and it comes the kit comes stuff to, to to put the sample in and take the sample and um we really appreciate anybody's uh help on that um you know, the the whole surveillance program um, for early detection in Nevada is, is all driven by hunters. So we all we rely on voluntary hunter participation. Um, you know, we're a small agency. We don't have the staff and resources to have mandatory surveillance and the enforcement of that. Um, so we, you know, really rely on people um, getting us their samples and um, or allowing us to take their samples to, to reach um, our quotas, um, and you know, those are based on, um, what we'd like to see as far in certain areas, um, for early detection based on prevalence. Exactly. So it's easiest for the hunter really to do the self sampling. And then yeah. it also helps us to gather as many samples as possible. Right. Because our check stations, you know, maybe you're not hunting in October, you have a hunt before that or after that, or or you're just not there's, or you're just not yeah. finishing on a weekend. There's ways people could miss yeah. them. We oh, do yeah. our best. I mean, you finish but... you drive out Monday then we're not there so you, but you can 
if you take your CWD sample, then you can just drop it off the office on your way out. Um, and truck stations did come up toward the end of our first half, but really, it's not it's not a law enforcement no type this check is station. Not law enforcement. This is not enforcement. This is just voluntary check stations to take CWD samples. And um, it's kind of cool. You get to talk to a biologist. So if yeah. you have any questions while you're out in the field, then stop by, say yeah. hi, get your harvest sampled. Yeah. You know, see what other people are bringing in, too. It's always kind of fun. To exactly. See people, I'll, I'm sure I'll be out at one or two of them this year. And You, you could speak to Nate if yeah. you want. You might run you into Nate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you said we were still, we're not, com- the self-sampling is not a complete success yet. We're still trying to get people yeah, involved. Yeah, we did not get very high participation. How many year. did we get last year, though? I want to say like 30 or 40 and oh, okay. self-sampling and... Uh, that I was you said over... there was a sig- I think a significant number of those that were endow employees. Okay, I thought you said we had over a, like four hundred. So oh, samples total, total we samples. did about four hundred and twenty, which was an oh. increase, of, um, a good increase in the first time we've been over four hundred in quite a while. Um, but as far as the self sampling, okay, that was driven honestly by taxidermists and then our check stations. Well, it's good we're still getting more samples, and then hopefully we could even improve the yeah. people wanting to take part in the self sampling. Yeah. Um, is well, there right now we're not in any danger of exceeding what we can test, exactly. so we'll always take more samples right now. <laughs> exactly. Anything else you want to tell people before we wrap up? Um, you know that the, the main thing is. You know, please participate if you got a tag this year um, and you're successful. Please get your sample taken. And then um, for those of you that are hunting out of state, um, you know, really it it's on you uh, to prevent it from coming into the state. I mean, this is a disease that, you know, unlike a lot of things, prions last a very long time in the environment. They can stay infectious for years. Um, and so we really rely on you the hunter to abide by those transport regulations you know partially so you don't get your harvest seized if you bring in something illegal um but also just so you don't bring it into the state i mean that's why we um really rely on um people to 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 be you know you know responsible citizens and and you know help us prevent this disease coming into the state Exactly. Not one of the most pleasant topics, but you're so good at breaking it down for everyone. And you always bring a lot of good information. I try. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm always interested. Diseases interest me. So I'm probably weird, but it's always interesting when you're on here. So, well, thanks again, Nate, for joining us. And thank you everyone for listening. That does it for this week's Nevada Wild. again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife.